Welcome to the Church Times podcast. Try 10 issues for £10 or two months access to our website and apps also for £10. Go to churchtimes.co.uk forward slash new hyphen reader. This week, Canon Mark Oakley talks to the director of St Melitis College, the Reverend Dr Hannah Steele, about her new book, Living His Story. It's the Archbishop of Canterbury's Lent book for 2021 and is published by SBCK. The book seeks to provide a fresh perspective on evangelism, pursuing Walter Brueggemann's description of evangelism as an invitation and summons to switch stories and therefore to change lives. The interview was recorded during an online event earlier this month, which also featured Sam Wells and Stephen Cherry talking about their Lent books. All the books are available at the Church Times bookshop. You can watch a video of the entire event at churchtimes.co.uk forward slash video. And the Church Times Festival of Faith and Literature is hosting a one-day online event on Saturday, 20th of February, titled Light in Darkness. Speakers include Francis Spufford, talking about his new novel Light Perpetual, which is reviewed in this week's Church Times. The other speakers are Catherine Tiernan, Rachel Mann, Mark Oakley and Stephen Cherry. To find out more and to book tickets, visit churchtimes.co.uk forward slash events. So it's now time to meet Hannah Steele, uh, who has written the Archbishop of Canterbury's Lent book for this year called Living His Story, Revealing the Extraordinary Love of God in Ordinary Ways. Hannah is director of St. Melitus College in London, where she lectures in mission and evangelism. And this, I believe, is her first devotional book. Um, Hannah, hi. Hi, Mark. Lovely to meet you. Nice to meet you too. So how was the shift change? Uh, did it feel good to write devotion rather than academic? Um, once I got my head around it, yes, it did. I must admit the first draft I, I sent to the publishers, they sent back and said it needs to be a little more um, devotional by nature. And actually, once I made that shift, um, I really enjoyed writing it. I enjoyed using, bringing up friends saying, can I use that story in my book and, and peppering um, those stories throughout. So I actually thoroughly enjoyed writing it. Yes, it's one of those books that clergy are going to be nicking from uh, <laughs> all the way through, I can tell. So tell us what it's about. So it is a book about evangelism, but I was quite clear I didn't want the word evangelism anywhere near um, the cover of the book because um, for all sorts of reasons, but I think because we um, have lots of misconceptions um, about evangelism. So I wanted to write a book that was really about the idea of the gospel as a story. We often think about uh I mean, interesting, Sam picked up this again, belief in terms of, you know, things that we have to believe and ideas that we have to get people who aren't Christians to believe. Um, and actually, what might it be if we understood the gospel in terms of a story, a narrative that actually we are invited to to play our part in, to, to join in um, with this story? So so it's a, a fresh perspective, I hope, um, on uh, how we share our faith. It looks at um, encounters with Jesus in the gospel, what we can learn from um, the way Jesus um, engages in um, speaking about the love of God in people's lives um, and looking at some of uh, the disciples, um, the apostles um, in the book of Acts as well, and what we can draw from their experiences. So before we look at the idea of, you know, being part of what I, I sometimes call a storydom, you know, Christianity is a storydom. We're all incorporated in this story, which is still continuing. Let's just go back to why you didn't want that word evangelism. <laughs> What's problematic about the E word? 
Um, I think there's a, a number of um, suspicions we have around the word evangelism. I mean, we all, uh, you know, we all bring our own experiences um, to to this subject, um, and many of us have experiences of evangelism that has been done poorly, um, whether by ourselves, in all honesty, or whether sometimes to us by um, by other people. Um, and so I think we can suffer from a few misconceptions. One is I think we can think evangelism is for the experts. You know, there are those people, the J. Johns of this world, who just, you know, the, it's their bread and butter. They just know how to do it. And we could never be like them. I think sometimes we are a little suspicious that Maybe evangelism is a bit morally dubious in the world today, in our pluralistic culture, in this postmodern um, environment. Is it right to persuade someone um, towards um, our understanding of faith? I think we can sometimes fear that our evangelism is irrelevant. Um, you know, ever had that experience talking to a friend about your faith and it just doesn't seem to compute at all because you, it's almost like you're talking another language. How do we make connections with people and then I think for a lot of people we can find evangelism hard work you know people are sometimes stung by an experience that didn't go well or maybe praying for someone for many many years and not seeing fruit of that and it it can be a bit discouraging so those are some of the reasons that I, I think I pick up in one of the first chapters um, around why we struggle with this word evangelism. Mm. And certainly people from my sort of churchmanship, to use that old, slightly tired word, you know, uh, I can often say, well, yes, I'm, I adapt to preaching and, and I think I'm okay at pastoral. But the word evangelist sort of feels a little bit uncomfortable because if I'm honest, I, I often feel that, as I said in in the review, I think you know my my inner evangelist is a bit has nodded off. So I think more than quite a lot of ours, in all <laughs> honesty. In fact, I think it's in a coma sometimes. So, help. Uh, what what can somebody like me or anybody listening tonight? How can we wake it up? I mean, there's a number of, number of ways I suppose I, I approach this, um, and I guess it's looking at what what can we learn from Jesus about about evangelism because i think we often think of of evangelism in terms of we need to get across to people who jesus is and and what jesus says but actually what could we learn not just from what jesus says but the way he says it mm -hmm. and i think if you start exploring the gospels with that perspective and you start to say well let's look at how jesus has conversations with people um actually it's quite revealing because it's far less formulaic than a lot of our expressions of evangelism. Um, Jesus often asks questions. He often says surprising things in conversations. Sometimes he doesn't say as much as we think he might say or expect him to say. Mm. Um, and I think there's a lot we can draw from the way Jesus engages with people in the Gospels that just help us to free us from the pressure of um, we have to say everything in, in one go. I think I use the um, illustration of sometimes in, in a conversation, we're just offering an amuse-bouche, a little taster of something. We don't have to give them the whole Christmas dinner, you know, there and then and fill them till they're, till they're full. How might we just say something to ca and catch people's curiosity? Um, I like that idea of, of curiosity. How can we make people curious about the questions at the heart of the universe? Because we do all ask them, 
Um, but how can we just raise curiosity that maybe this Jesus person has something to say to the questions that we ask? Of course, the other thing is that after Jesus had often figuratively spoken and taught, people were confused mm. and endlessly asking what he meant. Uh, so I often wonder if he would have got B minus sometimes in a homiletics class where, where people think he's supposed to give answers, but actually he was enticing people to think a bit more and, and get puzzled, mm. which uh, I think you bring out nicely in the book. You have that lovely expression that Christians ought to be uh, willing to get interrupted. Uh, and I, I rather like that idea. Let's just before we hear you, just a little bit more on this story factor. Mm. I think you pick up Walter Brueggemann's idea that evangelism is the invitation to switch stories. Can you just tell us what that means? So for Brueggemann, um, his, you know, understanding of, of, you know, the Old Testament is this sort of narrative of, of, of redemption and, and rescue that sort of then gets um, is a picture, if you like, of, of the gospel narrative. All understanding it as this this one sort of narrative of, of redemption, um, and therefore understanding the gospel. I think he talks about the gospel as a drama. So this idea of of gospel not as something static, not as a sit, uh, as a list of beliefs that we have to try and convince people to believe, um, but as a a story um, in which God is the author, but in which we are in, invited to, to take our current stories and our, our current experience and to find them um, transformed and, and take on new meaning um, in the light and, and the presence of, of, of Jesus. And to me, that's quite an exciting way to look at um, discipleship, because it's actually an invitation to, to come in and, and make a difference. Um, it's actually an invitation to to be part of something bigger, um, to be part of of God's story. Um, we're not sort of pawns in His creation. We, you know, we're not passive. We we are actively um, taking part in 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 God's story. And I think it's I've just found that a really helpful way of mm. um, unlocking something about evangelism because we are fascinated by stories in our in our culture mm. i mean stories have got many of us through this um pandemic in lots of ways you know the escapism into into story we find stories a, a way of understanding what's going on um around us mm. so can we hear a bit of your book yes. now um i'll read a little bit that actually um i think picks up um, that idea of um, story and Walter Brueggemann. So hopefully it will say it, say it for you. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a story, but it is quite unlike any other story we will ever encounter. In fact, it's not something that we simply hear or understand, but a reality in which we live and find our sense of belonging. His story is the living story that makes sense of all the other stories in our life. On the first Easter Sunday morning, the women set off for the tomb, taking with them spices that they had prepared for Jesus's dead body. They thought the Jesus story had come to an end. Peering into the tomb, these women began to grasp that something in the fundamental structure of the world had changed. The grave clothes meant to hold the decaying body of the battered and bruised Messiah were left empty, rendered redundant and obsolete. Though they did not fully realise this at that moment, they had seen into a world where death was no longer the final frontier, where sin did not get the last word. They glimpsed a new world, where resurrection is possible and where death 
is defeated. To the other disciples, this announcement initially sounded unbelievable, so much so that they had to check it out for themselves. Even those who had walked by Jesus' side for three years, listened to him teach, seen him perform miracles over every form of physical and mental sickness, and even over nature, this new possibility still seemed a step too far. What these disciples discovered that first Easter morning was that the Jesus story was far from over. In fact, it was just beginning. The gospel is the good news of the risen Christ. It's the narrative which stands at the centre of human history and upon which the Christian faith is built. This story is not primarily a matter of reading and understanding, but of living. The empty tomb is an invitation to us to enter into new life in Christ, where death is not the end. Being a disciple of this Jesus, then, is to live in the reality of the empty tomb. The good news of the risen Jesus is the story we are called to pass on to others, but we have somehow not been very good at knowing how to do this. We call this passing on of the gospel story evangelism, but it's a word that is often misunderstood. I suspect that if you stood up in church one Sunday morning and said, who wants to do evangelism next Saturday, you might not get a huge response. And the problem is often how we phrase the question. We misrepresent evangelism when we imply it's something that is done to people either willingly or unwillingly. Evangelism's starting point is our recognition that if the gospel is the story in which we find our identity and purpose, then evangelism has to do with the whole task of our lives and the way we live them. Our primary task is not convincing people our way of thinking is right, but rather inviting them to participate within this story of the risen Jesus. The Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann describes evangelism as an invitation and a summons to switch story and therefore to change lives. Evangelism, by this definition, becomes an invitation, not to a set of beliefs, but a new way of living. It is to encounter the one who's risen from the dead and in whom there is new life and new purpose. It is to place his story at the centre of our lives. Exploring evangelism this way means that it might be both harder and easier than we imagined. It's harder because the offer of switching stories, not simply adding Jesus onto a full life, it's to swap one way of the world with looking at it with another. There is a cost to the exchange. Yet evangelism as invitation is also easier than we thought because it's not dependent upon us to make it happen. It's an invitation into an expansive place where the deepest longings and desires of human life are met in Christ, where all our fears about death and the ultimate end come face to face with the one who is risen from the dead, offering another person the chance to enter into the Easter story is the greatest gift we can give the world. Hannah, thank you so much for writing this book and for resuscitating, as it were, thinking about something that's really at the heart of the Christian community, but a subject I think we do often shy away from. So an important book, and uh, I'm really very grateful to have read it, and I know, I know others will. So thank you very much. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Church Times podcast. 
You can find more news, analysis, comment and book reviews on our website, churchtimes.co.uk. If you are not yet a subscriber to the Church Times, you can try your first 10 issues for just £10. You'll get the paper delivered to your door every Friday, plus full access to our website and digital archive. Go to churchtimes.co.uk forward slash subscribe to find out more. The music for this podcast was provided by Sought After Sounds. Tune in next Friday for the next episode. Thank you.